With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilder is here with us today. And JT, I think, you know, I hope K State fans took some time to soak in finally getting a Big 12 win on Saturday. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and, you know, spend this week celebrating homecoming cuz this this coming Saturday I I, I don't feel is uh going to be as as fun. Yeah, yeah, we look ahead Kansas State is 21 point underdogs which which seems a little low so we, when we brought on our guest today from Crimson Cream Machine also writes some for Athlon Sports it's Alan Kinney. Alan, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How about you guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. So, you know, we knew Oklahoma was going to be good. We knew they were going to be the best team in the Big 12. But, I mean, did you expect them to be as dominant as they've been so far? Even the Texas game, where the, where the score was kind of close, it never really felt like they were in danger in that one. I mean, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I think that part of the big deal here is that, you know, nobody really expected the defense would improve this quickly. It seems like Alex Grinch has done really, really strong work there. I mean, even last year, you know, a team, for example, like at Kansas or, you know, West Virginia, I mean, they would have been moving the ball on OU last year, despite, you mm-hmm. know, kind of you enjoying the superior talent advantage there. But this year, you know, it just really hasn't worked out that way. The Sooners have looked really strong on that side of the ball. You know, on offense, it's just been a different kind of, you know, machine out there. But, you know, in a lot of ways, the results are, are the same, you know, I mean, highly efficient, moving the ball really, really, you know, I mean, just in big chunks a lot of the time down the field. So that part of it, you know, I guess it's been a surprise too in the sense that maybe not only the way that Jalen Hurts has kind of, you know, taken to the offense, but the way that Lincoln Riley's also been able to build kind of a comprehensive offensive scheme around Hurts' abilities. Yeah. yeah. And Oklahoma does have uh, Iowa State and, and Baylor after K-State. Any chance maybe the Sooners could, could look ahead a little bit? Well, you know, uh, I think the issue there would be that Oklahoma is an open date on November 7th that weekend. So, um, you know, there'll be there'll be no real look ahead here. You know, they'll they'll get right into it with Baylor coming up there on the ninth. And like you said, that the defense has improved quite a bit. If you had to pick a, a weakness, that would still probably be it, I guess. So, what I mean, what is the best way to attack this defense? How do you how do you beat these guys? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, stuck out to me, you know, especially when I saw the early point spread, you know, just 19 and a half points is where it opened, is that, you know, Kansas State's, a, you know, got a strong kind of downhill running game. And I do think that you can, you know, kind of make some hay there with the Sooners. Few teams have been able to exploit, you know, areas, for example, uh, like, you know, kind of running towards the boundary there, the weak side of the defense. You know, teams like Texas Tech had some success going that way. John Michael Terry, who has been one of the uh, you know starting rush linebackers, is now uh, out for the season. So you know he's working in some younger guys there. You know, so Kansas State could have some success going that way, trying to kind of you know just find some holes there because I mean this defense is built for you know negative plays, getting in the backfield. So, you know, I mean, there are definitely seams there in the offensive line that can be exploited and uh, snap off some big gains in the run game. Yeah. And it seems like one of the big things you got to find a way to 
sort of neutralize or at least minimize the impact of Kenneth Murray, middle linebacker, Big 12 defensive preseason player of the year? You know, what what kind of impact is he having on games and how, how have teams tried to stop him? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I thought that it was strange before the season that he was the preseason defensive player of the year because Murray's been a guy who really has a lot of physical ability, but he was playing in a scheme that was more kind of, you know, looking to uh, read and react. What he's doing now is a whole lot of just attacking the ball. And Alex Grinch has really, you know, made that kind of the cornerstone of what the defensive scheme is all about is getting into the backfield, making plays. Uh, and Murray's perfectly suited for that. He really has kind of taken off this year. In terms of how to scheme around him, I mean, you know, go run away from him, I guess. You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I hate to, I, I don't really, I don't really know what to say because he's been so good this year, uh, you know, but again, he's been in situations where he's attacking a specific gap or he knows where he's going. So, you know, figuring out a way to get away from him is, might, might be your best bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it seems that we ask this every week, but defensive coordinators keep kind of loading the box against K-State and daring Skylar Thompson to throw in a man-to-man coverage. You know, can we kind of expect more of the same from Oklahoma? You know, that's kind of my guess here. You know, I know that, you know, Chris Kleiman, he really likes kind of that physical, uh, you know, offensive mentality and personnel. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma kind of goes away from the four-two-five looks they've been playing, and it goes to more of a kind of traditional four-three or or three-four, depending on how you want to look at it. But with four, essentially with four linebackers out there, you know, as opposed to uh, you know bringing down a safety or something like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, that's what I'd look for. You know, I think that OU probably feels like their defensive backs can handle what K State has a receiver. Uh, it'll be you know just a matter of not getting gashed too badly in the running game. Yeah, and JT, that kind of brings us to some of the K-State pass offense. You know, where are you on the – there's always a debate of how much of an impact Malik Knowles has on offense. Obviously, he makes the offense better, but I feel like sometimes it's overstated a little bit. You know, where do you fall on that? Well, I know live at the game, like, it was pretty apparent when he, he came in the game because TCU couldn't – you know, just man up on the receivers and load the box anymore. They had to they had to keep safety back. You know, they had to cover over the top just for the threat of him being out there. You know, even if he's not catching the ball eight, ten times, he's enough of a threat that you can't just, you know, even just leave your best corner all alone on out there and be, you know, sure that, that he's going to get covered. And that's, you know, what we're missing when he's off the field, you know, Dalton Jones, a great possession receiver. He'd be a great two or three. And, you know, in most offenses on a team like K-State, but there's just a lot of, a lot of that across the wide receiver core right now, a lot of twos and threes kind of guys. And Knowles is a true, you know, looks like a true number one receiver. And so defenses have to play him that way. And Mm -hmm. it definitely opened up the offense. You know, I think there's things they could do without him on the field that I, I wish the coaching staff would do more of, you know, quick slants, you know, those, those short yeah. routes right over the middle or, or quick outs, something, you know, get the ball two-step drop and it's out of, out of Thompson's hand to mitigate some of that. But, you know, it, it's not critical that Knowles is in the game, but it's definitely a huge, huge bonus to this offense if, if he's healthy. Yeah. And then another thing that, you know, the K-State offense, it was nice to see Skyler pick up some yards, and most of it obviously came on that huge 61-yard run late. 
So I was looking to see what Oklahoma's defense had done. It seems like week one, they gave up a, a lot of rushing yards to Derek King, but since then they've been pretty, pretty good at stuffing quarterbacks. You know, Sam Ellinger had negative yards. You know, Alan, do you think there there's anything that K-State could do if they throw in any wrinkles with the quarterback run or is Oklahoma pretty well figured that out? Oh, well, you know, you got to keep in mind, I mean, you know, Ellinger had a lot of those lost yards on uh, quarterback sacks. I mean, Oklahoma sacked him nine times. Yeah. So, you know, in, in that case, I think that Ellinger could, you know, still, you know, have found some openings there in the running game himself. You know, they haven't really faced that many really just kind of elusive guys. You know, uh, I mean, you mentioned Derek King. That was one, but not a ton this year. So, you know, I mean, I look at it and there's certainly going to be the opportunities there. And on top of that, you never know with an aggressive defense like what OU does, you know, there might be some quarterback draw action out there for him or some, you know, some, you know, design quarterback runs that use some misdirection or timing maybe. So I, I certainly, you know, I, it's at least, you know, worth kind of testing out against this defense, I think. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, I mean, if you're going to, Bring if you've been saving anything, it seems like this would be the game to to try to bring it out and see if you can figure figure something out with the ball. But I mean, I think you know it's gonna be. It seems like JT is gonna be like Chris Kleiman talked about last week with the best defense was Devin Anktil, you know, punting the ball and and just the offense keeping the ball as long as you can, right? Right, and yeah, it's great having a you know a Ray guy semifinalist on you know back there punting the ball. He's so good at those directional kicks that I mean even that the one there at the end of the game where he got like some ridiculous hang time you know situational awareness of what he needs to do but yeah that I think for this offense to be successful we're gonna have to see some more of that quarterback running game not like you know Snyder-esque running the ball 20 times straight into the teeth of defense but definitely some more of those draws and some things that you know have to, you know, five or five or six of those kind of kind of kind of plays instead of maybe trying to avoid the QB run at all costs, which it felt like they were doing there for at least the Oklahoma State and Baylor games. Like, you know, Skylar Thompson almost looked afraid to run, or you know, they were, you know, not putting that into the offense. And you know, he's got some legs, he's got some wheels, and it you know clearly worked on that last touchdown drive. But but overall, you know. We've got to find any way to move the ball. And if that means Skyler's got to carry it, you know, five, six, seven times, then, you know, he's got to carry it yeah. five, six, seven times. Yeah. Whether he wants to or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, West Virginia, it seems like they actually did a decent job. I mean, they were, that roster is so, such a mess right now, but they did a decent job in terms of trying to manage drives. You know, I mean, they were going for it on fourth down. They faked punt they got and got a conversion they you know occasionally did bring the running quarterback run game i mean that's the kind of stuff that if i'm kansas state i'm thinking i've got to do and you mentioned the special teams also i mean i think that's really big if you can make you want to make oklahoma drive the length of the field if you can yeah yeah absolutely it's definitely uh, it's gonna it's gonna be scary when that ou offense is on the field so uh, let's talk about those guys a little bit you know i think i would like to think that oklahoma has put to bed the whole system quarterback theory at this point with the way Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield are thriving in the NFL. And now Jalen Hurts is there. I mean, do you think Lincoln Riley is just trying to have every QB statistically one up the guy from the year before? Or? You know, it's an, it's a funny question, isn't it? I mean, you know, so far, 
you know, Oklahoma has actually, you know, kind of benefited from not necessarily facing the cream of the Big 12 crop today. I mean, outside, you know, I guess you can make an argument for Texas, but, you know, uh, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Iowa State, I mean, I'm looking at those as the better defenses, and they're still left to come. So we'll see how that all works out. But part of what Riley's done so well, though, is tailoring this offense to Jalen Hurts' strengths, you know, and, and essentially forcing defenses to play them honestly or to uh, cheat up, really, to stop OU's running game, really, uh, which is opening up stuff in the passing game for uh, for Hurts. And he's been uh, just super efficient, but he, in a lot of cases he's kind of throwing into some relatively clean windows, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it helps right. having a guy on the outside like C.D. Lamb. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, he's only a junior, but I feel like that guy's been there forever. But, you know, as a opponent, I, I have to hope that he decides this is his last year at Oklahoma and goes pro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that I think he can probably bank on that at this point. The way he's playing that. But, yeah, you know, part of the thing about Lamb being there for so long is that you know, he came in and started right away as a freshman uh, for a receiving core that was, you know, as a, as a whole was already pretty loaded, you know. So he's been there, like you mentioned, forever now. And part of that, too, speaks also to his durability. I mean, he's not missing time, really. He's out there all game long. And this is the first time, I think, this season I mentioned that, you know, we're really seeing OU use him kind of as like an actual legitimate kind of playmaker, like the guy you kind of want to scheme to get the ball in his hands a lot. You know, I mean, 10 catches against Texas was his a career high for him. And I mean, OU found him every time really they needed a big play, uh, which, you know, he's been more of a, an actual kind of more of a, you know, getting stuff within the offense as opposed to OU trying to set stuff up for him. Yeah. And to me, that's a little worrisome for K-State's defense because, you know, while the passing defense has actually been pretty decent overall, they're number one in pass yardage and efficiency defense. And part of that is opponents that played. But they've had some trouble stopping the number one guys in the Big 12. So far, that's Tylen Wallace, Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, who are all three really good receivers. But I don't know, where would you rank CeeDee Lamb among those four guys? Wow, great question. Um, you know, coming into the season, I probably would have put him probably third behind Wallace and Rager. So far this year, though, I mean, I think he's got made a pretty good case for being number one of that group. You know, even though he's had a few games where he's really only gotten a couple touches, you know, when he when they needed him, he's been very, very, uh, you know, uh, so reliable in making big plays. You know, running away from guys. You know, he's also returning punts. So, you know, I mean, I I think I'd put him at the top at this point. Okay. And you talk about tailoring the offense to Jalen Hurts, and the, the big part of that is something that's different with OU's offense is Jalen Hurts has a lot more carries than any of the running backs. I think he's got 80 and the top running back has 50. You know, is that something that you think they're going to keep doing? Yeah, that's a great question because, you, you know, I mean, you don't want to necessarily be using yeah. your quarterback to run that often. Right, we we know we know that all too well. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, watching Kansas State's injury report the past few years, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, Hertz is a different kind of runner than they had with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. You know, I mean, Murray, for example, was lightning fast, and I mean, you know, he had such quickness in in small spaces, but he really didn't like running that much. I mean, he, you know, thought of himself as a thrower with good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hertz is a is the most effective runner that they've had when it comes to 
okay, we're, your job here is to take the ball and run it. You know what I mean? He's not as good when it comes to kind of the improvisational stuff and extending plays as Murray or Mayfield were. But when he just takes it and decides to run, he covers ground so quickly. He's hard to bring down. He runs over guys. You know, it's just a, it's just a different kind of animal back there that, you know, it makes it harder for teams to uh, really, you know, I, I guess kind of, you know, match up with, you know, part of the reason why he's got more carries than the running backs is that OU's been essentially at this point kind of playing three different running backs back there, but there's no doubt he's been their kind of number one running threat at this point. You'd like to see them back off on that a little bit, but I, I don't get the impression that he <laughs> is going to let that happen. So, you know, I guess going forward, it's just, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. And so, JT, uh, how much faith do you have that Kansas State can tackle six two two eighteen pound Jalen Hurts this weekend? Um, I at, at this particular moment, I have very little confidence in tackling as long, uh, once he gets past that first level. It seems like if one of the defensive linemen, especially one of the the ends, Hubert or Ball, can get their hands on him, then he's going down. But linebackers, it's been real iffy. Wayne Jones, love the kid, super athletic, but man, he has got to learn mm-hmm. how to wrap up and tackle. You can't just yeah. hit stick guys at this level. They're just <laughs> yeah. not going to go down. Yeah. I mean, Division One football players generally just do not go down if you hit them like that. You you have to wrap up and tackle. Yeah, it was too much going for the high ra- highlight reel hits on Saturday, I think. Yeah, and Hertz is uh, especially kind of impervious to those. I mean, those I've seen a lot of guys so far this year kind of bounce off him on those. But you know, one thing about it though is he will put the ball on the ground if you get a good shot on him. He's definitely he's had some uh, issues with that. You know, he had one big fumble in the Texas game that really hurt him. Had another against uh, Houston. So you know, in terms of the fundamentals, you know, putting your hat on the ball and whatnot, if you can do that, I mean, he's liable to you know turn it over in that respect. So I guess that's one thing to consider. Yeah, I guess that's one thing. K-State's defense probably is going to need to have two or three turnovers to have a chance in this game. Don't you think, JT? Yeah, any sort of turnover, because I'm not confident in their ability to get, you know, be successful on second, third downs, you know, forcing OU to punt the ball. They're more likely, I think, at this point to get an interception or force a fumble than, than to force OU to punt. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. They're going to have to step up and force more turnovers than they're than they're used to. That's for sure. Right, right. And then Alan, you were talking about you know the running backs, and we we saw we know they've got quite a few guys back there. We saw Kennedy Brooks broke off that 86 yard run last year, but still, I mean, Trey Sermon seems sort of like that prototypical number one workhorse for Oklahoma. You know, why has he not gotten that role? <laughs> you know, that's been uh, the big question around Sooner Nation the past two weeks because, uh, you know, Sermon's seen a decent number of snaps. He's not getting as many touches. I don't know, uh, you know, if it's uh, what's going on there. Lincoln Riley swears it's just kind of the way it's working out. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, you'd like to see Sermon, I guess, get the ball more. But I don't know if it matters that much uh, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, Kennedy Brooks has run the ball really well. And I feel like Ramondre Stevenson is actually pound for pound, maybe their best running back. He's just, you know, still, he's a Juco. So, you know, I mean, still kind of gamped speed doesn't have the same kind of, you know, uh, I guess goodwill with the coaches that, that Brooks does, but, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to find fault in a running game that's producing the way he uses. Right. Right. 
And then as far as the other receivers, I mean, it seems like they've got some dangerous guys that Rambo seemed to be kind of a deep threat type guy. You know, what else does Jalen Hurts have to throw to? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's Lamb, there's Rambo, as you mentioned. You know, Grant Calcaterra, I don't know what his stats is going to be. I believe he's – the indications are he's dealing with a concussion issue right now that has had him out for two the past two weeks. You know, oh, he's got some freshmen, Jaden Hazelwood. He's a five-star kid out of Georgia. He is the one that I, I'm kind of looking at down the line who I think is really going to be just a, you know, kind of a, a big physical guy out there. He's made a lot of uh, impressive plays so far, both as a receiver and, like, as a blocker, you know, going downfield. You know, Lee Morris is another guy. He's been there, it seems like, forever. He, you know, former walk-on. He's kind of playing the same role as Calcaterra, so he's lining up more kind of as an inside receiver, but uh, he, he has a real knack for uh, making big catches in, in important spots. You know, otherwise, uh, you know, H-back Jeremiah Hall, he's splitting out there some. The other H-back, Braden Willis, he's had some big catches this year. So, you know, uh, Lamb is kind of, you know, the the headliner. And Rambo's the number two, but they've got a few guys down there, you know, who after those two can do some damage of their own. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, and we're back. Uh, so I want to kind of, you know, look ahead a little bit, Oklahoma. And one thing I think somebody else wrote an article about this, but are you worried at all about the weakness of the Big 12 this year? And, you know, specifically the scenario where. State went out, and then maybe Bama barely loses to LSU without Tua and wins out. You know, do you think there's a possibility Oklahoma could get left out in there? You know, I don't know how to answer a lot of these questions, you know, really without like <laughs> considering the full landscape. I mean, an undefeated Oklahoma team, I have a hard time believing is going to be left out uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a scenario. I don't know why necessarily people would think that the Big 12 is, uh, you know, at least based on the eye test, is a weak conference. It's looked, you know, pretty competitive to me. But, you know, I guess if there was some scenario like that where if you had a Power 5 conference champion that was undefeated, that got jumped for a team like Alabama or a team like LSU that didn't win their division, I think that, uh, you know, there'd be – there'd be some serious, serious, you know, concerns about the, the size of the playoff. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing where it would all but cement, even it's, it's already a lock that this thing's going to expand to eight, but, but that would, uh, in my opinion, all but cement it. But no, I, I honestly don't have a lot of concern about that. I think if OU okay. just wins out, I think they're in. Yeah. And it's I definitely like, I mean, agree with that. Yeah. I know you really probably got a little bit unlucky that Houston and UCLA ended up being as bad as they are. When they scheduled those games, they probably looked a lot better than they ended up being, right? Oh, you know, you'd think so. Oh, you, you know, once a game with a school like UCLA, so you can get out there and do some recruiting, then you look around the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl and there's, you know, maybe maybe 20,000 people there. But yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's an unfortunate break. But the one thing that OU is doing is for the most part, you know, really dominating other teams. Right. Uh, you know, the, the Texas score, I think, wasn't indicative of how much more superior Oklahoma was. And so, you know, I guess that's, Another thing to keep in mind, too, is is the style points issue. But like I said, if they keep winning, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So who are you most worried about at this point in the Big 12? Wow, yeah. I mean, a road game at Baylor at this point looks pretty tough. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Baylor's playing really strong football. They've got a good quarterback. They've got some big-time weapons out there out wide. 
So, you know, having to go to Waco, that would be, that's a big concern. Bedlam, you know, I mean, always is a concern. And Oklahoma State has some really explosive players. Now, Spencer Sanders needs to kind of, you know, they need to kind of figure out a way to get him under control. And uh, mm-hmm. the defense leaves a lot to be desired there. But, you know, Oklahoma State has a tendency, you know, no matter what, to really kind of play up to OU's level. So that's got to be a concern. But, you know, otherwise, you're kind of coming down the, the wire here. And, uh, you know, I mean, OU has the good fortune of getting Iowa State in Norman and getting TCU in Norman also. So I mean, th- that breaks well for them. So, you know, that Baylor game and that OSU game, yeah, those definitely stick yeah. out. Yeah, it's sad that, and you're not wrong, but when you say Oklahoma State defense leaves a lot to be desired, and I just think about how they made the K-State offense look pretty helpless. So, yeah. Well, that was was, but but Knowles wasn't playing in that game, right? Like, correct. And I know that he's just Mm -hmm. one guy, but yeah, I I was watching that, and I just kept thinking, like, Kansas State just can't move the ball through the air without him in the game. It just felt right. 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 The game in Waco is going to be real interesting because Baylor's got a, a real chance at going. Being nine and zero, they've got games against West Virginia and TCU next, and you know there could be a lot of hype around that game. You know, a, you know real charged up McLean Stadium, like crazy yeah, things have game. happened. Yeah, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. That that could be it. Could be interesting. I, I still think o- Oklahoma wins, but I think that could be a very very good game. Yeah, yeah, well, and I I think Baylor is supremely well coached. You know, I mean, I would say that honestly about almost the entire Big Twelve at this point. But I, I really think a lot of rule and what the staff has done there. And, so, you know, I mean, he's he's got them really, really playing well this year. Yeah. I feel like they've they finally got a, a good defense to go with with the killer offense that they've had for a while now in, in Baylor. Like, he managed to keep the explosive offense but added a solid defense. And I feel like Matt Wells is doing the same thing in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got yeah. – they're finally marrying a halfway decent defense with, a, you know, with that – explosive offense and it's really helping them out yeah no i I agree the baylor defense plays really really fast like they wherever they're going you know they do it with a lot of decisiveness i mean it's pretty impressive to see especially you consider what he inherited there you know yeah and i think really as a conference it seems like defenses are playing a lot better this year than they have yeah i mean aside from texas you know i think that's that's a pretty pretty fair fair assessment yeah mm-hmm. and then i gotta ask you about the other uh, crazy rumor that people like to talk about with oklahoma of course is linking riley to the nfl and there were a lot of tweets or whatever about that especially after the cowboys lost to the jets maybe that died <laughs> down after the big win of the eagles but is that something that you worry about at all well, I mean, you know, you can't worry about it because it's, you know, it's his life. If he wants to go go coach for the Cowboys or what have you, you know, or, you know, I see people, oh, you know, maybe I'll take the Falcons job. I mean, I don't know. You know, people ask me, well, well what's all you going to do about it? I was like, I don't know. Wish him well. I mean, you know, Oklahoma has a pretty, Oklahoma has a pretty strong football tradition and culture. They've got, you know, they're very dedicated. They've got, a, you know, I think one of the better athletic directors in the entire country. So, you know, if Lincoln Riley decided to go off to the NFL, what do you do? You let him go. I mean, you know, oh, well. I do think that there's kind of a, a funny assumption here that he's interested in the NFL. Or, I mean, you know, you can report that if you want. I don't know anybody who knows Lincoln <laughs> Riley all that well. It's not, I mean, Bob mm-hmm. Stoops was actually kind of, you know, he had been in coaching for a long time. A lot of people, you know, I mean, he knew him. He had an idea kind of of 
you know, what he was interested in, what he wasn't. I don't know anybody who thinks it's Lincoln Riley that way. I mean, he's still kind of a black box. So, but, uh, you know, I think that if he left OU, I think he'd probably end up regretting it, especially trying to work for Jerry Jones or Daniel Snyder or somebody like that. So, you know, I think he'll probably have that in mind. Someday he'll go to the NFL, I'm sure, if he, if he wants to. I doubt it's going to be next year. You know, there were rumors forever and ever that Bob Stoops was taking the next <laughs> NFL job that was open. And, you know, I don't know why you would at a place like Oklahoma or Alabama – where you can get paid just as much and, you know, you get to deal with boosters and, and people love you and, and stuff. And instead of having to deal with NFL front offices and if I was a, you know, a high level college coach, I think I'd want to stay a high level college coach. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Me. Yeah. There always were those rumors about Bob Stoops went there and there always seemed to be a contract extension waiting for him at the end of every season, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I yeah, exactly. That- a school like Oklahoma or Alabama, they can just, like okay, well, what's the next number? And yeah, that's I mean, you, you know, it's it kind of the game. It's the game they play, and then you know, they're those agents that that's the way they get their name out there. You know, I mean, by showing here's what I'm doing for my client. You know, other guys sign up with them. Then, mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, it kind of makes sense that the Big Twelve coach who actually made that jump is Cliff Kingsbury, right? Going from <laughs> Texas Tech and Lubbock, <laughs> not maybe not not. <laughs> Still, still befuddling, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's befuddling that Arizona decided to hire him, too. (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, though. You know, Oklahoma wouldn't be probably holding their breath and and wouldn't maybe miss on who they allegedly miss or whatever on their top two targets like K-State. But, you know, I think in general i think by by now we're pretty happy with how climbing's going uh, but just for you as an outsider who i know pays attention to the rest of the big 12 quite a bit you know what were your thoughts on the climbing higher and, and how do you think it's going so far well you know i mean k-state knows kind of what it does you know what i mean like it was an identity hire to me you know snyder for so long kind of made his bones doing all the stuff on the margins you know the little things like tackling good special teams Kleiman's similar, although, you know, I, I think he's more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy from what I can tell. I like the hire personally. You know, obviously, you know, when you're doing when you go that route, you're going for a strong kind of evaluation, a strong kind of identity and culture. And, you know, I I like that for a school like Kansas State, especially, you know, where you know you're not recruiting like an OU or a Texas. So I, I think personally I thought it was a really, really strong hire. And, you know, the, the thing about it, too, though, is that, you know, some of these coaches, they're, you know, they could sell ice to Eskimos, you know what I mean? But <laughs> I watched the Big 12, the Big 12 uh, media days, and Kleiman's answers and the way he talked and the way he kind of, you know, expressed his vision and what he wanted for the program. I mean, to me, that was the kind of stuff that you really want to see and hear from a coach. I mean, he just sounds like a real – like he's got a really solid foundation for – what he's trying to do there. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a, a step back from being a K-State fan and looking at the hire, it feels like definitely like Gene Taylor was trying to play the long game with that hire as opposed to, you know, what we saw down the, the road here in Lawrence. And it feels more like, you know, a hire to try to to generate interest and, you know, kind of re-raise the profile. But, you know, it still feels like KU is going to be looking for a new coach in four or five years, whereas – you know, Kleiman, if, if he's successful, you know, it's the kind of guy that you get another 20 years out of a head coach. Right. Situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
what happened with Les Miles and KU, I think clearly was almost kind of a booster driven, you know, you know, it's to get, get enthusiasm and interest. Like you mentioned, you get donations up around the program and, you know, hoping that, you know, Miles will kind of pick like the right, you know, next guy to take over when he's done there. But you're right. I mean, it's not, that's not, it doesn't feel like a long-term situation. Kleiman, on the other hand, I mean, he could be there forever. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we hope it works out. Uh, even if Saturday's game doesn't go so well, I, I think there's still hope for the strong hope for the future, but you know, we'll try to, it's probably about time to, to wrap this up. So Alan, you want to give us a prediction for Saturday? Poof, man, I haven't really even looked at it. I think that I think that this game will be closer than you guys think because the way kind of Kansas State can play, they they're they're tough. They can kind of control the clock. I mean, you know, OU won't be able to steam just steamroll them uh, on the ground. I mean, you know, they'll make them work. I mean, I, to me, I see this being somewhere in like the you know kind of thirty one fourteen ish, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Uh, oh, with, wow. uh, with them, yeah, kind of controlling the ball. Okay, that would be not too bad. And JT, what do you think the, the crowd is going to be like? You know, it wasn't the best crowd necessarily on Saturday, Saturday, but you know, got the first Big 12 win, but also Oklahoma's coming to town. What do you expect to see out there? Yeah, the crowd this week was real weird. You could tell there was some, you know, malaise, you know, two losses and the two bye weeks. It's just been a long time since they'd seen some winning football. But then they're right at the end, you know, the return of the famous Bill Snyder family stadium crowd. So I think there's a lot of people that are just going to be, you know, they'll be into it, but they won't have high expectations. So it's going to be a, a weird vibe. I think if, if K-State can hang early, you know, and not not get down big, you know, if it's close at halftime, and then it, I think we can keep a, you know, a good crowd energy. But if OU puts up a couple scores real quick or, you know, it, it gets down, it's like 21-0 real early in the you know second quarter, then we'll probably see a half-empty stadium by the third quarter. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's one of those games where the stronger the start, K-State can get the more confidence the players and, and especially the fans are going to have. Yeah. Better. We'll see how it goes. But well, it's homecoming, uh, so the, at least the stadium should be full. Um, yeah. Should be a good crowd to start the game. We'll we'll just see if if that energy can can hold. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm just glad it's not on the Fox Sports uh, regional again because I couldn't watch it out here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> last week it was rough. So I I couldn't find it either. Yeah, is that what it was on Fox Sports regional? I, yeah, I yeah. yeah. And it. sometimes those games are on out here on that. We have, it's Root Sports in the Pacific Northwest, but they had some other like small college game i don't know it wasn't good so i had to listen to wyatt vision but yeah that's all right but all right alan uh yeah thanks a lot for for coming on appreciate it as always oh yeah no thanks so much to you guys for uh, having me on too really appreciate it yeah and people can follow you on twitter at at blatant homerism right yep that's correct all right and read your stuff on crimson and cream machine good stuff over there so Mm -hmm. all right have a good one guys Thanks, Al. Thanks a lot. So, Thanks, Al. Yeah. Thanks a lot.